Chapter Seven of Hope and Have Fanny Grant Among the Indians by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven The Soldier's Family. Fanny stood on the platform in front of the station house, waiting for the return of Kate. She had no suspicion that her friend had deserted her, and was at that moment running away as fast as she could. The train was approaching and with the nervousness of one not accustomed to travelling, she feared they might be left. The cars stopped, and Kate did not return. Fanny rushed into the station-house in search of her. She was not there. She was not in the building. She was not to be seen from the open door. Then Fanny realized that her companion's courage had failed, and that she had deserted her. The bell on the locomotive was ringing and the train was in the act of starting. Fanny was quick and decisive in her movements, and she bounded out of the building and stepped upon the train after it was in motion. She was angry and indignant at the defection of Kate, and, taking a seat in the car, she nursed her bitter feelings until her wrath had expended itself. Kate's desertion affected the plans of the runaway, for in a few hours, at most, what she had done, and what she had intended to do, would be known at Woodville. Mr. Long would take one of the afternoon trains for the city, and the whole police force of the great metropolis would be on the lookout for her before dark. Constables and policemen were now more than ever Fanny's especial horror, and she trembled at the very thought of being arrested for the crime she had committed. Fanny was a girl of quick, bright parts. She had read the newspapers and listened to the conversation of her elders. She was better informed in regard to the ways of the world than most young persons of her age with no more experience. She knew all about the telegraph and the uses to which it was put in the detection and arrest of rogues. Though it was hardly possible for Kate to reach Woodville and inform the people there where she had gone, yet circumstances might conspire against her so as to render the telegraph available. Mr. Long might have discovered in what direction the fugitives had gone, and followed them down to Penville. He might have met Kate there, and learned her destination. It was possible, therefore, that a despatch might reach the city before she did, and an officer be waiting for her at the railroad station. She was too cunning to be entrapped by any such expedients, and when the train stopped at Harlem, she got out, with the intention of walking into the city. Deeming it imprudent to follow the principal street, in which some of the terrible policemen might be lying in wait for her, she made her way to one of the less travelled thoroughfares, in which she pursued her way towards the city. The street she had chosen led her through the localities inhabited by the poorer portions of the population. The territory through which she was passing was in a transition state. Broad streets and large squares had been laid out, in anticipation of vast improvements. But only a little had been accomplished in carrying them out. There were many tasty little houses, and many long blocks of buildings occupied by mechanics and laborers, and occasionally a more pretentious mansion. In some of the most ineligible places for building, there were houses, or rather hovels, constructed in the roughest and rudest manner. 
apparently for temporary use until the march of improvement should drive their tenants into still more obscure locations fanny passed near one of these rude abodes which was situated on a cross street a short distance from the avenue on which she was journeying to the city in front of this house was a scene which attracted the attention of the wanderer and caused her to forget for the time the great wrong she had committed and the consequences which would follow in its train in front of the house lay several articles of the coarsest furniture and a man was engaged in removing more of the same kind from the hovel he had paused for a moment in his occupation and before him stood a woman who was wringing her hands in the agonies of despair fanny could hear the profane and abusive language the man used and she could hear the piteous pleadings of the woman at whose side stood a little boy half clothed in tattered garments weeping as though his heart would break fanny was interested in the scene the woman's woe and despair touched her feelings and perhaps more from curiosity than any other motive she walked down the cross street towards the cottage being resolute and courageous by nature she had no fear of personal consequences she did not comprehend the nature of the difficulty having never seen a tenant forcibly ejected from a house for the non-payment of rent you'll kill my child you'll kill my child cried the poor woman in such an agony of bitterness that fanny was thrilled by her tones isn't it a whole year i've been waiting for my rent replied the man coarsely didn't ye keep promising to pay me for a twelvemonth and niver a cent i got yit i would pay you if i could mr o'shane if ye could what call have i to wait any longer for me money my husband has gone to the war and i haven't heard a word from him for a year but i'm sure he will send me some money soon i know he will what call had he to go to war why didn't he stay at home and take care of his childer go away ye wid ye give me up my house mr o'shane broke away from her and rushing into the house presently returned bearing a dilapidated table in his hands have mercy mr o'shane pity me pleaded the woman when he appeared i do pity ye pon my soul i do tin but what can a poor man like me do replied the landlord i live in a worse house nor this and work like a mule and i can't make enough for the high prices to take care of me family didn't i wait month after month for me rent and sore a cent i ever got sure it wasn't mike o'shane that would do the likes of this if he could help it but i will pay you all i owe mr o'shane that's what you've been saying this twelvemonth and i can't wait any longer why don't you stir yourself and go among the rich folks i can't beg mr o'shane but you better beg than chate me out of an honest dues go way with you pay me the rent or give me the house or sorry one of me cares which you do i would move if i could you know that my poor child is very sick for her sake don't turn me out of the house to-day added the woman in the most beseeching tones didn't i wait six months for the child to die and she didn't die she won't die sure don't she sit in the chair all day and what harm would it do to move ye her i have no place to move her to that's what's the matter now go away with ye blarney and don't be talking to me it's mike o'shane that has a soft spot in his heart but he can't do no more for ye that's the truth and ye must move to-day the landlord went into the house again for more of the furniture 
as he had represented it was doubtless a hard case for him but it was infinitely harder for the poor woman and fanny was too deeply interested now to leave the spot what she had known of human misery was as nothing compared with the suffering of this poor mother what's the matter ma'am asked fanny of her when the harsh landlord had gone into the house this man is my landlord and he is turning me out of the house because i cannot pay him the rent sobbed the woman i wouldn't care if it wasn't for poor jenny who is jenny she is my daughter she has been sick very sick for nearly a year and she cannot live much longer the doctor gave her up six months ago how old is jenny she is fourteen and she is such a patient child she never complains of anything though i am not able to do much for her replied the afflicted mother as her tears broke forth afresh at the thought of the sufferer haven't you any place to go if this man turns you out of the house asked fanny no no groaned the woman bursting out into a terrible paroxysm of grief i know it's hard for you mrs kent but it's harder for me to do it than it is for you to have it done continued mr o'shane as he came out of the house with a rocking-chair in his hands oh mercy that is poor jenny's chair almost screamed mrs kent what have you done with her the mother in her agony rushed into the house to ascertain if any harm had come to her suffering daughter who had been deprived of the easy chair in which she was accustomed to sit fanny was moved to the depths of her nature moved as she had never been moved before she couldn't have believed that such scenes were real she had read of them in romances and even in the newspapers but she had never realized that a man could be so hard as mr o'shane or that a woman could suffer so much as mrs kent between her grief and indignation she was almost overwhelmed you are a cruel man said she with something like fierceness in her tones that's very fine for the likes of you to say to the likes of me but it don't pay me rent replied mr o'shane not as angry as might have been expected at this interference you ought to be ashamed of yourself to do such a mean thing added fanny her black eyes snapping with the living fire of her indignation shall i let me own children starve for another man's children answered the landlord who we must do him the justice to say was ashamed of himself how much does the woman owe you demanded fanny a matter of a hundred dollars for a whole year's rent sure miss it isn't many men that would wait a twelvemonth for the rent and not get a thin and her daughter is sick troth she is there's no lie in that she's got the consumption and she's not long for this world replied the landlord moving towards the door of the house again to complete the work of desolation he had begun stop sir said fanny in tones so imperative that the man could not help obeying her what would i stop for asked mr o'shane rather vacantly you shall not do this cruel thing the saints know how it breaks me heart to do it but i can't help it now you put all these things back into the house just as you found them facts i'd like to do it miss said the man taking off his hat and rubbing his tangled hair you must do it and not get me rent you shall have your money every cent of it put the furniture back and you shall have your due just as soon as you have done it said fanny as haughtily as though she had been a millionaire mr o'shane looked at her and seemed to be 
petrified with astonishment. The deed he was doing, harsh and cruel as it was, he regarded as a work of necessity. Though he owned the house occupied by Mrs. Kent, and another in which he lived himself with two other families, both of them were mortgaged for half their value, and he was obliged to pay interest on the money he owed for them. He certainly could not afford to lose his rent, to which he was justly entitled. He had indulged his tenant for a year, and nothing but the apparent hopelessness of obtaining what was due had tempted him to this cruel proceeding. Nothing but starvation in his own family could justify a landlord in turning a mother with a dying child out of the house. He looked at Fanny with astonishment when she promised to pay him, but he was skeptical. "'Why don't you put back the furniture?' demanded Fanny impatiently. "'It's meself that would be glad to do that same,' replied he. "'Would you let me see the color of your money, miss?' "'Put the things back, and you shall have your money as soon as you have done it,' added Fanny, moving down the street. "'I will be back in a few moments.' The landlord looked at her as she walked away. He was in doubt, but there was something about the girl so different from what he had been accustomed to see in young ladies of her age that he was strongly impressed by her words. Fanny sat down on a rock in the shade of a lone tree. Mr. O'Shane looked at her for a moment, and then decided to obey the haughty command he had received. He went to work with more energy than he had before displayed, and began to move the furniture back into the house. Greatly to the surprise and delight, no doubt, of the grief-stricken mother. Fanny counted out a hundred dollars from the stolen bills in her pocket, and returned to the house. Mr. O'Shane had by this time completed his work, and was awaiting the result. "'They be all put back, miss,' said he doubtfully. "'There is your money,' replied Fanny proudly. Mr. O'Shane's eyes opened, and he fixed them with a gloating stare upon the bills. He counted them. There was a hundred dollars. "'God bless ye, miss, for a saint as ye are!' ejaculated he, as he put the money in his pocket. "'Ye saved me from doing the worst thing I ever did in my life. I'll send the receipt to Mrs. Kent to-day.' And he walked away towards his own house. End of chapter 7 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana